This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Welcome to The Final Four is Not in the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to discuss the Big Ten Tournament, which is coming up now that all the seating is done and the craziness of the Big Ten is over, the regular season at least. Uh, before we begin, I just want to thank, send out a thanks to Jerry Mitchell. Uh, well, actually, congratulations. Jerry Mitchell is the winner of our t-shirt contest from the Big Ten tournament, which was, or not the Big Ten tournament, sorry, the Big Ten seating uh, for the standings, I guess you should say. Uh, you know, it's been a weird year because there were, I mean, what was it, like a sixth place or five team tie for... What, like a fifth place or something like that? Or fourth or, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah, Iowa, Maryland, Illinois, U of M, and maybe... Oh, oh at 11 and 9, Yeah, right? maybe Rutgers was, were they 10 and 10? I can't remember. Uh, so, any, yeah, that would have been fifth. Yeah. Yeah, Rutgers was 10 and 10. Anyway, crazy year. And so, you know, <clears throat> usually there's a, there are a couple of teams that have the same record, but for the most part, it's pretty clear who's the, you know, top to bottom. But even that last game, I mean, Northwestern was going to go right from second to ninth because of just the yeah. weird round-robin tiebreakers and such had they uh, lost that game to Rutgers. They won it, obviously, and so they moved Rutgers down to nine, and they stayed at second, which is has to be the best standing ever in the history of Northwestern basketball. Um, now, you could argue that it's kind of a weird – because of the weird year it's been, uh, that maybe it's not as legitimate a second as there might have been other years. But, you know, they were – they were a good team. And so I think when looking at the winners, the winner, they actually had a tiebreaker. And so Jerry actually tied someone and you had to go to the tiebreaker because, um, and he got closest to most, most upon a point scored uh, by Michigan state against Michigan. Uh, they're actually off by one. They're actually almost had the exact same amount of points for the tiebreaker as well. But Michigan state only scored 131 points and he had 144. So he was closest. So he wins and we'll get that t-shirt to him in a little bit. Uh, and because of all the, the way we decided we're going to determine the actual final rankings of the Big Ten was going to be based on the seeding for the Big Ten tournament, just because it's the simplest way uh, and because of the unbalanced nature of the Big Ten. But not surprisingly, you and I had some of the worst scores, probably because we <laughs> <laughs> Well, <clears throat> because but I'm we... going to say this. <laughs> I want to say this in my defense. Michigan State was, in fact, more than likely a rescheduled game against Minnesota from finishing in a tie per second, which is where I picked them. Right. So that's the most important call. I'm inclined to claim it. <laughs> Take reasonable it, minds can disagree, but I think that's pretty good. Now, now it would not have worked for these purposes because had they played that game and won, I believe they would have ended up with a third seed. 
not the second. Sure. That's entirely Yeah, they would possible. have because they would have finished. They would have finished by well, I, I yeah, I'm I'm positive that's true. Um they would have finished still finished behind Northwestern because head to head would have given Northwestern the edge. And then Northwestern obviously also had an edge against IU. Um, as we know, because they're the two seed and I use the three seed anyway. Um, but I still would have had a legitimate claim to being correct. So I'm going to, I'm going to claim that one and that I, that I got that right. And the rest of the league, look, who cares? Yeah. And, and I would say, and not surprisingly, the ones that destroyed people's brackets, if you call them or whatever the predictions was Northwestern. Yeah. I mean, if you were off sure. anywhere from up to, you know, t- minimum, the best one was 10 spots off <laughs> and the, uh, and the worst was someone had him as 14th. And then the other one is Ohio state. So I would go sure. through and like, Oh, this person has pretty that was close. Definitely the case for me. And then I hit Ohio state and then they, you know, you get like nine, yep. get doc nine. I had, a, I had Ohio state fourth and I think I had Minnesota or I'm sorry, Northwestern 12th, maybe or 13th. So I was way off. Yeah. On both of those well, you in opposite alone. directions, but <laughs> yeah, I would imagine most people were. Yeah. I think, you know, the thing, and, and but, but here's the funny thing, put those teams on a neutral court tomorrow. Northwestern's a fan, but not by a ton, not, yeah. not by as much as you would normally think from a two seed versus the 13, right? Right. Which, and, and that's, that's the thing uh, I'll say one other in our defense, um, we got the general tenor of the league correct that it was going to be incredibly difficult to distinguish between these teams. Uh, the only thing we really missed on in that respect, because I maintain that even though Purdue ended up winning this thing by three games, I think right now, when you look at them, they have, they are not a team that is separated from the rest of the pack very much, if at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the only thing we missed on is that, I think we had talked about it maybe being about that being the case, the inability to distinguish maybe down to about 10 and it actually extends, I would say down to, to 12 and depending upon how you feel about Ohio state at this moment in time, you might even be able to cobble a half-assed argument together to extend it to 13. Sure. So it's, that's the only thing we met, but the general tenor of it, we got right. Yeah, no, I think so too. And, and, and clearly the people who put their predictions in after, like, so, you know, we had our predictions in before the season started. Uh, the other people, for the most part, had were put it in, yeah, probably like the last week before the Big Ten games had started. By that point, there right. was definitely, Purdue had emerged as a really good team. And I think that sure. was something we just didn't know. And and that and those that was reflected in the scoring uh, later on as well. But, you know, a in some respects, of, yeah. the, you know, Fair five enough. to, you know, say four to, 10 or 11 or so, but they're, you know, they're all kind of about the same, right? And that's sort of what you had predicted. And that was kind of how it shook out. Yeah. And, you know, whether Maryland six or eighth, you know, Michigan could have been fifth or eighth based on where the Northwestern one. I mean, Maryland things... would have been another team that I missed on a little bit. Yeah. You know, they were, they, they, they ended up, I mean, they ended up with a six seed, but the boy, there was a chance they could have been one of the top four, which would have made it even worse had they gotten a defensive rebound. But um, you were really down on that. But even so, yeah, I, I was just because first year coach transfer backcourt, just the, 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 I just didn't think there was a lot of reason to be optimistic about them, but credit to, to Kevin Willard. He's done a nice job with not a great roster in my opinion, 
yeah. uh, to get them to where they are. And they're another team like, a, you know, a cast of thousands. If you, if you told me today, Hey, come Sunday, they're going to be hoisting the 10 tournament title. I couldn't say I'm shocked, but I can't say I'm shocked by anybody. The flip side of that is I find it really difficult advocate for anybody winning it either well sort of like you know sort of like your prediction you said i think indiana's gonna win but i don't think they'll win it (laughs) well i i picked them first but i don't think they're gonna win right to be precise yes right yeah and that's exact and that's exactly how it worked out uh so then going i do want to thank spencer tanky uh i think that's your pronouncing i apologize uh he gave us a one-time gift for you our venmo uh, and left a note uh saying love the podcast Thanks, Spencer. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support and all these other extra content we're giving you because I know it is March and it is time when we're excited about things and hopefully you enjoyed the bracket show earlier. Um, and so if you want to support the show, you certainly have opportunities. You can either do one of two ways. One is you can go to our support page at finalfoursnottheschedule.com slash support. There you can give one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon. Or you can visit our sponsors, either Nudge Printing or the brothers that just do gutters, and we'll talk about them later. But uh, so let's talk about the Big Ten tournament. The seating was really bizarre. Michigan State what came into the I don't know, when they beat Ohio State. I think they could be anywhere from between a three and a seven. And so realistically, you thought, eh, they'll be a five because all this stuff has to break in order them for them to get a double buy. And I don't think either of us probably thought two weeks ago there's any chance of them getting a double buy, especially if no, the Minnesota game no. got canceled. You thought, well, that's like one other opportunity to get an, a kind of an easy win to right. get on the docket, and then. Basically, everything that had to happen, including Iowa losing at home inexplicably to Nebraska. Uh, so That's the one that really shocked me. Uh, the rest of those results, uh, you know, I, I, I've had a, a, another podcast and a, and a radio show today. <laughs> um, and th- this has come up like, boy, you look at the number of things that had to break right for Michigan State. That's absolutely true. And if you know anything about mathematics, you know that even if the result you want, is is one that the odds individually are in your favor when you string them all together the likelihood of all of them breaking the right way is a lot slimmer than the likelihood of each individual one in your way if you get my drift right, I know absolutely. You, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was the challenge is that okay you were, were essentially rooting for home teams so you feel decent about that but are you going to get all of them to break and in fact, Michigan State did not get all of them to break because the uh, the Northwestern game at Rutgers, which I thought Rutgers backs against the wall at home, would find a way to win. Was the not only did they not win, it was the only game of the day that wasn't close. Yeah, they got wiped out. But the flip side was that Nebraska win over Iowa, and we joked about it. I I believe yeah, I on the last so. podcast when we said, well. You know, you'd think Iowa wins, but you never know. Maybe they're stone cold three and, um, you know, uh, Tominaga just goes unconscious. Now he didn't go unconscious, but Nebraska as a team shot the lights out, absolutely shot the lights out. Um, and that was, that was the difference. And Iowa wasn't terrible from three, but they weren't great. They didn't shoot the way they have been at home. And that was enough, barely, to get a, a, a. It reminded me of the game when Rutgers came into East Lansing, and they had 
I was 18 offensive rebounds, but it didn't matter because they shot so poorly. Their offense was executing so badly. Yep. And Iowa was very much like that. And, you know, that just goes to your point that you talk about every season. You can be really great at something, but you got to be at least decent at the other thing, right? And so this would be defense. And Iowa is so dreadful on defense that they're letting, allowing a team that's not good on offense to look pretty good. And then it, it you know, your chance, your chance for success is obviously limited by, uh, you know, your, you have to be dominant, really dominant one side. And they weren't offensively. I, I put it in the show notes. Where are they? I think where are they at defensively right now? They're 169th or something like that. They're pretty there awful, I think. So they are, it's the third worst team in the McCaffrey era, which is, I mean, try to spin <laughs> that one around in your head, what that means, but they are perilously close. If they have a, a, another bad day or two in this tournament, and the NCAA tournament, which is entirely possible, um, they could actually finish as the second worst defensive team. They're very close now to being the second worst. Um, they won't be the worst. That, that The worst was like 260-something. They, they're not going to finish that badly. <laughs> but it it is saying a mouthful. And, you know, Tom, Tom Izzo, I remember before the game in Iowa City, was – Talking about, oh, I know the metrics say they're bad, but that's a that's a much better defensive team than the numbers say. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. They're really bad, and that's and when you when you look at how Nebraska shot yesterday, and then you have to take into account Nebraska is a rough offense. Yeah, team. right. Exactly. Like their improvement has been because they're they're competent defensively now. But that is not a good shooting team, and they shot the lights out against Iowa. It is not an accident. Iowa gives you great looks, and they they just can't guard anybody. Yeah, and it bit them. So that was the surprise. But yeah, you just it just things just kept falling right for Michigan State. You know the the Penn State win over Maryland, where it really looked like they were done. And then, but with that team, that's the problem with playing against Penn State. When you've got a team that shoots as many threes and shoots them as well as that team does, they're never fully out of a game. And boy, I was talking about this with another podcast host earlier today. I, if I was a uh, a Maryland fan, I would feel just about the same way I felt as a Michigan State fan of the game in Iowa City, where the smallest on the floor in this case it was winter for penn state yeah. is the guy who gets the put back to win it it just it, it would drive you crazy yeah and it, it was a bit of a that was actually a bit of a disappointing game the iowa game for our family personally because of course my wife's an iowa fan and so now michigan state i will have to face each other likely on friday uh so the way it works it's gonna work out we'll talk about michigan state first so michigan state will play the winner of the iowa versus the um the winner of the Ohio State Wisconsin game. Interestingly, Iowa is one and three against those two teams. They were swept by Wisconsin. They split with Ohio State, and they were one of what Ohio State's four wins or something like that in the Big Ten. Uh, it's going to be a. Uh, it'll be interesting. To, I guess the Ohio State Wisconsin games are an interesting one. Our assumption here probably is that you know Wisconsin, their metrics are okayish, right? Like they're they look like they might still even though they're twelve seed in the Big Ten. They've got enough good wins that they've they've they're in the conversation. They're certainly in the bubble somewhere, and you know. Yeah, I think the consensus seems to be they are right there in like the last one or two 
yeah. of the play-in game right. spots right now. Um, but it's it's look, they can't afford a loss to Ohio State. Correct. That much I'm convinced of. Like the question becomes, do they also need to beat Iowa? I would say probably not would be my guess. I mean, we're going to talk to our bracketologist friend, Dom, uh, here shortly. I'm, that, that episode might actually air before it this will. One. I'm so not you, sure. you already know the answer. Okay. <laughs> so you already know the answer. We'll see what Dom had to say. My, my guess is that's where he's going to land, but he, I would also feel certainly if I were a Wisconsin fan, um, beating Ohio state, but losing to Iowa, you're going to be very nervous come six o'clock on Sunday. Um, that's just, you would not feel comfortable. I think they'd get in, in that scenario, but you know, all it takes is, you know, one bid stealer, like could be a major conference team that goes off and wins their conference tournament could be something else. It's possible. And you certainly wouldn't feel comfortable. So Wisconsin's got a lot of pressure on them right now to, uh, to find a way, I think, to really feel safe to win two. Yeah, I think there's no question about that. And and that's the thing. Like, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, Wisconsin's this or that. But we're not paying attention to the other 25 games all over the country that are, you know, other teams that right. are in the bubble or around there. Right. And, you know, someone gets hot in a tournament. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone who wins a conference tournament that's not unexpected. It could be just someone who, you know, was one game away and they tend to play, they're playing a better team. It's more of a quad one victory than like a yeah. Wisconsin beating Somewhere quad the three SEC or something. beats Alabama. Right. And in the turn, exactly. tournament. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why probably you say the two seeds. So, you know, the assumption is that Wisconsin, they beat Ohio state earlier in the season in Columbus. That's when Ohio state was playing really badly. I think Ohio state is playing better now. They definitely look they like are. they had a little more uh, punch to than they did previously. So I, I was gonna have their hands full and I mean, it's strange because you think Iowa should be able to handle Wisconsin, yet they really struggle against against Wisconsin both times. The first time they didn't have Chris Murray, so you're like, well, that's why they lost at home to to Wisconsin. But the second time, I you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's Madison, but the game you would expect them to win, but they didn't. And so it's going to be a motivated Wisconsin team, and Iowa is in the tournament no matter what happens. But you'd, I don't know, you'd expect them to pull off. Realistically, what's Iowa playing for? Um, you know, you have to look at motivation now, you know, you could say, well, maybe they want to win the big 10 tournament. Uh, I'm not sure how much seating room there is for them, you know, but it's probably like a lot of these teams in that, you know, seven, eight, nine ish range, maybe with a run, you, you go up a line, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I definitely would think Wisconsin has a little more motivation at play here if they are the matchup. And if Ohio State's the matchup, look, Ohio State is just trying to extend their season and spoil other people's day. Yeah, right. And and sometimes sometimes that works. Yeah, the you, team is able to be loose. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, um, uh, the dream would probably be for Michigan State to be facing Ohio State because not only are they the worst team of these three, but it would be a third game in three days, I guess, I guess Wisconsin would be the same scenario, but they're a little better team. Either of those would probably be preferable though, just because you figure, you know, Iowa can't, Iowa is maybe be a little nervous because they're playing a team that's got a game under their belt. And sometimes that yeah, seems right. to be an equation that, but 
But if you're playing a team on their third game in three days, that can be a little tougher. And, you know, especially Ohio State, um, not a lot of depth. They're not running a lot of bodies in and out of there. So that could that could really play negatively for them if they were able to get through. Yeah. But I look, when push comes to shove, I agree Ohio State's playing better. They're certainly capable of winning that game, but I I, I would make Wisconsin a slight favorite. To me, the only two games that I feel ultra confident in right now out of everything uh, would be those the Wednesday games. I think Nebraska mm-hmm. will handle Minnesota. Yeah. And I think Wisconsin has enough to get by Ohio State. After that, man. Yeah, it's a crapshoot, right? You, yeah, you're going blind to a sack <laughs> and pulling out a winner yeah, I mean, through all these games. For Michigan State, you'd say, well, you know, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State's 4-1, and, and you could almost argue they're 5-0 and if they not had that you know, monumental collapse yeah, in Iowa City. Yeah, but then you could also say the win over Iowa. Maybe they didn't earn Right, yeah, yeah. So but either way, um, you know, they've got to – they should handle whatever the team they play. They should be able to. And I always wonder, you know, the whole motivation thing is interesting because yeah, I think there's, there are teams that are just like sliding into, to out, you know, into oblivion and there are teams that are fighting to get in. And I, I've always heard the claim and I, you know, Brad Underwood was a two years ago or last year said, ah, you know, that we didn't really, we didn't want to, we wanted to rest for the NCAA tournament. We didn't care. Last about year. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And you Brilliant hear people, move. and you hear people say that all the time, like, you know, Izzo doesn't really care about this or, um, nah. and I, six, six championships say otherwise. Right. And then, you know, even, uh, I think it was just Graham couch. He's like, well, you know, that year that lawyer hit all those threes against Ohio state was it two years ago or something. And then they went on to win. It the, was, the it Big was Ten. the 19 season. Yeah. Right. And they ended up beating Michigan, I think in the finals there, uh, you know, that was, he was arguing, well, you know, Michigan state was happy just to go to the NCAA tournament and not worry about it. And th- I think there's probably. I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing a lot of these players, at, at least in Michigan State, I can't imagine them not wanting to keep winning and beat teams. And especially when you have For a sure. team like Michigan State that is still trying to kind of get things worked out, right? Like the more chances you have to work this out before you get to the NCAA tournament, the better. And so you have every reason yep. to really – that's got to be enough motivation. If you don't, if that doesn't motivate you, there's some problem with you, <laughs> with your team, I think. Look, it, it's, it's fan talk. I mean, yeah. I, I think that – I think that the, the thing you can say about it is if you lose, you can look at it differently than a regular season loss, a regular season loss. There's really no upside. There's definitely no upside to an NCAA tournament loss because your season's over. Right. This is one of those rare occasions where you can, you can, without having to strain too hard, find an upside. And the upside is, well, at least we get more rest. Right. Yeah. So it's a nice situation in that you don't have to feel too badly about a loss. Um, it get to the final and you lose. That's a tough one because you got all the, the downsides supposedly of having to play three and three or four and four, whatever it is. And you don't even win the championship. Um, but other than that, you know, if, if Michigan state, beats to Iowa and loses to Purdue, let's say, um, yeah, you could shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, all right, well, better to get the extra day of rest, right? You can rationalize it a sure. little easier. And, yeah. and it's not a total rationalization. There can be some level of truth to it, but I guarantee you these guys want to win. They want to win it. Yeah. And any other stuff like, you know, genius Brad Underwood said is, 
<laughs> post hoc rationalization. It's it's just I don't I don't take it seriously. It sounds nice, and you can talk yourself into it, but these teams want to win. I think the biggest deal though is this, and it was true for Michigan State last year. If you remember last year, Michigan State, if I remember correctly, beat Maryland. And then lost to Purdue, very well-played, competitive game. They were in it the whole way, had chances to up just short. Yep. But they came out of that game, well, I, I know I did, and I'm sure they did, actually still feeling pretty good about where they were. Right. Yeah. You know, that was not a negative outcome in the sense that, yeah, you wanted to win, but the more important thing was they played well. Right. They didn't lose by and 20. that's what you wanted. Right. And, and so the same thing holds here. If they were to lose in a semifinal, whether it be events against Purdue or somebody else, um, but they played well, they just happened to lose. Okay. That's th- that you could still feel that you're building momentum going into the real tournament, you know? So uh, again, it's one of these things where you don't want to lose, but the right kind of loss doesn't really have. I mean, just think back over all the years that Michigan State plays in the Big Ten tournament and loses. Are you really crushed? I mean, there's a handful of years where it really, really mattered, you know, uh, in 12 against Ohio State because it was a rubber match. And those were just two Titan-type teams that mattered. The year you just mentioned, and there have been a couple of them against Michigan. Those mattered because it's it's them. But know in other years like the 2015 they get to the final and they lose narrowly against wisconsin in chicago and it was there was a bad out of bounds call that might have cost michigan state that game you still disappointing to not win it but i i don't remember feeling badly i remember feeling this team has found itself yeah and sure right. enough they validated that by getting to the final four you know so that's really what matters most here is how well are you playing? I actually saw Jim Camperoni make what I do think was a good point along these lines, going back to that loss in Iowa City. And he said, you know, 38 of those 40 minutes, Michigan State might have played its best basketball of the season. And the way that the last two minutes is, I think the word he used was carnival basketball, the term. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's about right. That's what it was. Um, didn't change that. So, yeah, you're, it's crushing to lose that way. It was disappointing to everybody. But when you take a look at the bigger picture, what you should have concluded was, hey, they still played pretty damn well. Yeah. And the fact that freakish things happened doesn't obliterate what you saw in those first 38 minutes. And sure enough, I think with what they did in, uh, in Lincoln and then at Breslin has validated that. So you just the biggest thing for Michigan State, more than wins and losses or where they happen, is you want to see that continue. You want to feel good going into the real tournament and that you've got momentum built up that way, regardless of whether you win or lose. Yeah. There's certainly not that finality that you get in an NCAA tournament. Or yeah, and like you said, the regular season, you don't like those wins, but you know, in this season, had they won the Iowa game, it would have made no difference in the like Big Ten tournament or your Big Ten. And this would have been a slightly different seed. Yeah. Would have been a slightly different seed. Which they would have been they would have been the two seed. If they'd won the Iowa game, they would have ended up the two seed. Um, but does that really make a whole hell of a lot of difference? Because I, you know, as opposed to the way maybe you felt a month ago, I don't actually think it's that big of a deal. 
you know, being on Purdue's side of the bracket. I don't either. I really don't. I actually kind of want I another mean, chance at him, to be honest. Yeah, there's an argument for that, um, for sure. But, um, you know, that's not to say they're not still a very good team. They're a good team. But they're not, they're not, a, I've been saying it all year, they're not a juggernaut. And I think the last, like, three weeks has validated that as well. Yeah. They're not. They're a good team, but they're a good team that can get got. And if Michigan State, I'll tell you what, the nice thing you like, the thing you like about it from Michigan State perspective is you may have a chance to play them. And if they are, as it appears, kind of teetering on that six, seven line, getting a win against Purdue might mean enough to make a difference. You know, that is the one game that's possible to play in this tournament that really individually might be. Uh, you know, we'll talk with Dom about that. Again, you guys will have already heard that, but um, uh, to see what he thinks about that, because we did have a discussion with him last time yeah. where he seemed to suggest that he doesn't believe the Saturday games, definitely not the Sunday, but even the Saturday games don't necessarily mean a lot for the seed line. Um, but given given this weird year and how closely bunched all these teams are nationally, not just the Big Ten, I would think that getting a win over Purdue might actually be meaningful for MSU, especially if you're only talking about the difference between say being the 25th team overall and the 24th team, which would be the difference between a seven or a six. Right. I could see that. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know, uh, as we go, we're going to work through the brackets just a little bit further, but uh, before, before we do that, I, I, you know, it's funny uh, when it comes to filling out these brackets, and I think this year has been a lot like it's going to be a lot like this, where it's, it's a crapshoot to try and figure out who's going to do things, and and so you really have to be an expert. And so I look at like this is kind of funny lead way, lead into discussion about gutters, <laughs> but I don't know anything about gutters except that the water drains off my roof, and so I need someone who knows what they're doing. And you know, Marge of the office picking out her brackets based on mascots or something like that. Uh, that's probably not the way you want to do it. And it's probably not the way you want to take care of your, the water issues in your house. So I would recommend if you're out in the West side of the state, the Grand Rapids area, all the way out to Saugatuck, up out to Lowell, up to Rockford, um, get a hold of Kurt Stauffer and his team at brothers who just do gutters. That's all they do. They just do gutters and they specialize in that and they do great work. They took care of mine. They can repair yours. They can clean out, clean out the leaves and all the junk, put gutter guards on. Uh, they can replace the whole thing. Whatever you need done, they can do it. And if you, you'll you get 10% off if you mention Final Four. Just contact Kurt Stauffer at K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. You can find links to that in the show notes. Uh, so looking at up uh, at the bracket, you know, Michigan State will be facing the winner of the 1-8-9 game. 8-9 game is Michigan-Rutgers, and that is a game that I think probably both feel this way. It's kind of a playing game for the NCAA tournament. I don't know that Michigan, if Michigan wins that, that they're in. I don't think, I suspect they aren't. But I think if Rutgers loses, they're gone, They're finished. Uh, I think Michigan still need another game. I, would, I agree with all I I would change the, the definition of that, though. I think it's an elimination game. Sure, yeah. In other words, play-in game might suggest that if you win it, you're in. And definitely don't think that's the case with Michigan. It might or might not be the case with Rutgers. Um but definitely whoever loses it seems likely to be out, which is crazy saying it about Rutgers because you think back to even like oh, three, yeah, four weeks they've ago. They've played themselves out, haven't they? They've lost, they've lost, 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you you looked at that injury that they had to uh what's his Mag. name? Bot Mag. Yeah. Uh the the power four. And at the time I thought, well, that's a blow. He's been a good player for them, but you didn't think that would coincide with the total derailment. See, but it has. And I think what it's shown is he was a more important part. And this this is the stuff that's so hard to predict. And it goes both ways. Sometimes, you know, we I was just on Jack Ebling's show this afternoon, and he was suggesting that, you know, ask the question, is Michigan better without Jet Howard? Right. And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that seems counterintuitive when you're talking about your second leading score, <laughs> but I think it's true. And and you can't always easily predict these things. What's the domino effect going to be of this guy or that guy? being taken out of the lineup. Sometimes it's positive for you and sometimes negative. And in, in this case for Rutgers, I think it's proven to be a negative. They, they were not a great offensive team anyway, but, and that guy wasn't a great offensive player individually, but some, I look at, I look at Mulcahy and he is not the same guy. I mean, that game yesterday against Northwestern, he, he couldn't weird. do anything. He looked weird. And it, yeah. And if he's not being dynamic, I don't know how Rutgers scores. And sure enough, he really didn't score against Northwestern. Um, so it's it's all changed for them at negatively. And I'm not defending Steve Peichel by any means for what happened with the rescheduling of a game, but I will say this, at least selfishly from his perspective you can understand why he thought the way he did. Now, I still don't think it was the right decision, but I get it. He would know better than any of us where his team was at and how it's unfolded. I think it's pretty clear. He saw, Hey, I can't make it any harder on my guys than it already is because we're fast and we're in danger of, you know, playing our way around this thing. And sure enough, that's what's happened. Yeah. Uh, But they still have a chance. I do think it's an elimination game. It will be fascinating from that perspective. Um, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, I guess, I guess you can. I think you like you that feel draw. pretty well. Yeah, of of anybody that you could have gotten in that game, yes, yeah. you do, because Rutgers is the team that's clear cut playing badly. Yeah. But in this year's Big Ten, does that mean anything? Yeah. It, it tends to mean that the opposite is just around the corner. <laughs> Either way, right? Yeah. So you'd be a little nervous around that. I will say this about Michigan. I agree with you um, that this isn't enough. I don't, I don't think just beating Rutgers is enough. But if you are a Michigan fan, maybe counterintuitively, your path broke way possible because if you were sitting playing a quarterfinal game against i don't know pence you would then have to question well gosh is that enough or do we have to go get a third win right to solidify a bid you've got an opportunity against purdue if you beat purdue i after having beaten Rutgers. I think you're in. I think so too. I yeah. really do. I think that's all it, it takes. Purdue would be that meaningful. Um, and if you're Michigan, the other thing is, you know, you're you're one of the teams best positioned to give Purdue some problems in one sense, in that you've got maybe the only physical matchup in the conference, which 
doesn't have to, you don't necessarily have to get freakish and or distort what you normally do in order to go up against Edie. Because Dickinson isn't as big as Edie, but he's the closest we've got. You know? Um, and so if you're Michigan, maybe you don't have to do what everybody else is doing where you're blitzing him. Yeah. Maybe you can afford to play it a little more straight up at times. And Dickinson, I still think overall, because of the nature of the way the sport is played today, overall miserably bad defender. But I do have to give him credit. He has become, and you saw it in the Indiana game, uh, he has become a decent rim protector. Yeah. And so in the and and look, Zach Eady is not going to torture you in pick and roll. Purdue in total really is not a great pick and roll team, and they don't run as much of it as other people do um, for obvious reasons. So, you know, you've got you've got a chance to hang in there against that team, maybe a little differently than most other teams. And they almost got Purdue with Chrysler. You know, that was a competitive game. So um, we'll see, but if I'm a Michigan fan, I don't know that you could say you love it because your backs are still against the wall pretty seriously, but at least you've got a path that you could say, well, this is reasonable. No if, question. If we do, if we win these games, we're in, but the, the flip side of it is you had that equation in Champaign, that equation in Bloomington, you got both of those teams not playing anything close to their a games at home. I was really surprised by Indiana. I thought they would bounce back better than they did to that Iowa debacle. And I didn't, I really didn't think they played particularly well and they still tired. But if you're Michigan, the chances were there and you didn't off overtime, both games, you couldn't get it done. So if you're handicapping this, why are you going to have faith that they'll pull it off now? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I look at, when I look at the, the teams trying to envision, you know, who can win the big 10 tournament here, Michigan's actually a team that's high on my list. I mean, like a team that because they're playing much better than they were earlier this year. They now they've come up short, but they've you know two back to back overtime games on the road against really good teams, Illinois and Indiana. So you're kind of like this team could probably probably you know make a run at people and and do stuff, but you know they're not able to close out. But again, those are both road games. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think they'll definitely give Purdue a challenge, and and I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan State wins advances if they are facing Michigan. I don't think that'd be. I wouldn't be totally stunned if that were to be the case. Yeah, it would be, you know, that would be an interesting semifinal matchup, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that Michigan does not get it. I'm not a believer. I, I will say this. Hunter Dickinson is more engaged than he was out of the season, and therefore he's producing better. But he still has the flaw he has. And so that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, the question is, are Rutgers and or Purdue built to exploit those best? And I'm not sure they are, but, um, but be that as, as it may, I think that the biggest, the biggest question for me, and I've seen a lot of lamenting of this yesterday and today, Michigan has been absolutely miserable in late game situations. You saw it again yesterday. Yeah. The last possession in overtime. What do they do? <laughs> that was bizarre. Well, not the last, not the last one. I'm sorry. The last possession in regulation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do they do? The last possession in overtime was another botch, but the last possession in regulation, what do they do? 
They have G- the ball and Jet Howard. And that's exactly what happened in the game at Chrysler, which was also their win on a last possession. And same deal, almost the same spot on the floor, as a matter of fact. The left sideline they were inbounding from, and it was the wing that Jet was trying to happen. That is not what should happen. If you watch that game against Indiana, it was pretty clear to me. You put the ball in Kobe Bufkin's hands and you let him go make a play. Maybe he finds Dickinson near the rim. Maybe he goes to make a play for himself, but that's the guy I would have trusted. Instead, they put it in Jet Howard's hands and Jet Howard is just not going to make those plays. Uh, You know, do you give it to Doug McDaniel in those situations? Well, he's a freshman and he's made some plays this year. He's played better. But do you trust him? In a big, I don't trust him. I just think they, in big moments, they've wilted consistently this year. Their record, their record in close games, horrible. And as a result, um, their their Ken Palm luck rating is among the fifty worst in the country. And that, that's what happens. You're not winning games that the metrics otherwise say you should, and it's happening a lot you're going to you're gonna end up with a bad look number. That's how that works. He's a little opaque about how he calculates it, but that's a sweet and simple uh, yeah, right. description of what's going on. And, but I think at this point, I don't think luck is the right word for it. I think it, that it's a team that's from the get-go has kind of never felt cohesive. And, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in the head coach mm-hmm. in those moments. He hasn't given a lot of reason to have faith, certainly not this year. And so I, when, when I think about this big tournament, I, maybe it'll be different than this, but I kind of expect we're going to see something of a rerun of what it was. There'll be a lot of games that come down to the final minute yeah, because there isn't a lot of difference between these teams. And now we're on neutral floors, not home and away. And in those moments, man, how can you pick Michigan against anybody? I mean, I just, and I think it's going to need, they're going to need to deliver in moments like that. If they're, if they're to get this done and I just don't have any faith in them. I think they can be competitive in this game or games, but I don't think they're going to win both. Yeah. I just don't. I think you're, I think and I'll right. admit there's some hopeful thinking on my part going on there, <laughs> but I think I've actually got, it's not just a win in a prayer. I mean, I think I've got as our, there's some, there's some definitive reasons why I think you can point to that as, as a likely outcome. So uh, before we get to the bottom of the bracket and take a look at that real quick, let's talk about nudge printing. Uh, the other great sponsor for our show, nudge printing run by two Michigan state alums, Gabriel Brittany. They supply Michigan State apparel, vintage and current stuff. Uh, they have all kinds of all the unique designs, tuck coming, those sorts of things. You can check out all their stuff at nudgeprinting.com. They also have a collection for our show. So if you want to support our show and get some great nudge printing Spartan apparel, you can get uh, the Final Four is not on the schedule, either a shirt or a hoodie. I wore the hoodie to when I won my free throw contest at the Breslin. Super comfortable. Uh, you can get that at the Final Four is on the schedule.com slash merchandise, and then you can get to our collection. And then from there, you can purchase all the other stuff at Nudge Printing. Just, and then all the proceeds from those two shirts go to our show to help support us. Uh, but they have all kinds of other stuff, decals, wall stickers, everything. And then they don't just have Spartan stuff. They also have other schools. We mentioned in the past that all, most of the Michigan schools in, uh, around uh, Western, Eastern, Northern, Lake State, Michigan Tech, all those schools, 
they don't have University of Michigan, thankfully. And you can also get the Spartan Strong shirts. I think they've got those back. I think they were they ran out. <laughs> they printed over 15,000. So I think they're making another run for that. So that's a way to support the shooting victims from uh, the February 13th incident on campus. So check them out. At nudgeprinting.com, you can get 20% off using the coupon code FINAL4 at checkout. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Uh, so let's talk, look at it. I think it's kind of interesting looking at the bottom of the bracket because you know, you, the first playing game is Nebraska-Minnesota. I think we both think it's Nebraska is going to win that game. And Nebraska is a team that it's, I I don't know that I'd want to play Nebraska. You know, there's it's a team that's pretty tough. They played Michigan State tough. I mean, obviously Michigan State ended up winning with a big second half. But they went into Carver-Hawkeye and beat the Hawkeyes. They'd won five or six before they played Michigan State. And going up against Maryland team, that's, you know, I don't know, Maryland, if they're not in uh, College Park, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about this team. So right. it's a game. It's a game. You certainly could say, you know, I could see Nebraska winning that, and then for sure, right? And then you for know, sure. Tominaga goes crazy, and well, then they play Indiana. Th- right? This I mean, is I don't know. This is what I this is what I'd say. Um, the thing about Nebraska that would scare you is two things. One that you mentioned. I mean, they won what six of their last eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they know they're going to the postseason. They're going to get an NIT invite. It seems. So that's a big deal for Fred Hoiberg's program. And I think, you know, he's not going to win coach of the year. I, Chris Collins obviously has a better claim and and so does Matt Painter, but man, he'd probably be third on my list Yep, because that, that was a remarkable job to turn that thing around this year. Um, but they're playing well and they also have zero to lose. I mean, they have nothing to lose. And that's where it can get dangerous sometimes. You know, sometimes you can say that about a team that's typically in that, you know, they're out of the NCAA tournament conversation and say, well, they've got nothing to lose. Like, yeah, it's because they're pretty bad. But Nebraska, it's a combination of where Nebraska, the level they're playing at right now, and the fact that there's nobody in the Big Ten that's good enough that they can look at that and say, oh, this is a walkover. Yeah. You know, the, the gap is not that big. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, credit 
give credit to Minnesota. Minnesota has started to play a little better here late. You know, they snuck out a win. They were very close to derailing Wisconsin last mm-hmm. night and then didn't get it done. But they're playing a little bit better. But still, I would expect Nebraska to beat them. And then a Nebraska-Maryland game, yeah, neutral court. I mean, it's like all the rest of these games. I say flip a coin. Yeah. I'm sure Maryland will be favored, but they shouldn't be favored by a lot. You know, um, Nebraska has with Walker inside, they can, they can counter what Reese gives Maryland. And so from there, it really comes down to guard play and the Nebraska guards, you know, I would take Maryland over them, but not by a lot. Yeah. Well, and then you go up to the seven ten matchup, Illinois, Penn State. Interesting because I think I mean Penn State ran Illinois out of their own gym early in the season, and you know talk about coach of the year. I'm Shrewsbury's not going to win any award, but he, to pull off what yeah, he's managed at he Penn State with like too. with no big yeah. men, I mean it's pretty yep, remarkable that absolutely. he's taken that he's coached like a totally kind of different way than normal. I think normally he wants to because of his personnel, and so the fact that absolutely. they've been so competitive is real impressive. On, on another podcast today, I was asked which game other than one Michigan State or it's a Wisconsin podcast I was on other than Michigan State or Wisconsin are you most interested in seeing. And this was my choice. Yeah. And, it you know, Penn State's in an interesting position. It feels to me like that win yesterday got them in. And I, I tend to think even a loss to Illinois doesn't take them out. But man, they don't want to be going through Sunday. Yeah, they'd be sweating. Leading into the selection show, thinking about that. They really want to win. Illinois, I don't know how much movement is possible for them. They're solidly in, but are they going to be able to jump much? I I don't think so. And not not Um, playing Penn State, right? And even the next round would be Northwestern. I don't think those are teams that move the needle a ton for their season, right? Going to Saturday. Now, that doesn't necessarily, you know, we can look at that and say, well, where's the motivation? But you're not that locker room. Um. You also got to keep in mind, Penn State didn't just sweep Illinois. They pounded them. Double-digit wins, home and away. And so what is that? Is that a fluke? Is it just one of those things? Is it meaningful in that is there a matchup problem that Penn State's been able to exploit? And you you can't throw that one aside because Penn State plays, as you were talking about, such an unconventional style that maybe there is, um, I will say this, I think much as we saw in, we've seen in a couple recent games from Illinois, I think even more so in this one, Penn state might force Illinois to take danger off the floor. Yeah. Right. More than they would like to, because he just can't get out and defend, you know, he's really good protecting the rim and he's a weapon in the post but he can't extend out on the floor and Penn state forces you. I mean, they are above anybody else in this league, the way that they play you gotta be able to have a five man who can extend defensively. So that changes things for Illinois a little bit too. I would be fascinated to see it. You would certainly think oh, the one thing that might give Illinois motivation is this team smacked them twice. Yeah, for sure. So, and they always say, Oh, it's a cliche. It's so hard to beat a team a third time. Okay. But not if you're better, you know, they got to, they got to go do it. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't, and I don't think Penn State is necessarily better objectively, but it might be that they just have Illinois' number for whatever reason. Um, and I can think of some, like I just mentioned, they, they force Illinois to play. The other thing, too, is I don't know if it's clear yet. I haven't seen it. Is Epps going to play or not? Right. I was going to ask about because that. Because I think Illinois really somehow skated. I mean, if you watch that Purdue game, especially down the stretch, Coleman Hawkins was their point guard. That was weird, yeah. I mean, you can you can say, okay, Coleman Hawkins, pretty versatile, good for him, but that that's an indictment of what they've got right now in terms of guard play. So that's a very and I heard somebody on a national podcast talk. Terrence Shannon is a playmaker. Well, what world is Terrence Shannon a playmaker? He's a guy who can get his own points. He's not going to run your offense. Yeah. So that that's where Illinois has got a problem right now. And even with apps, I don't think their guard plays great, but it's better. So are they have him? Are they not? Who knows? But I, I think that's a fascinating game, and I, I just really want to see Penn State in this tournament. I just, as a neutral fan, I love watching them play. Yeah, um, they're just such a, a fun, weird team. I wouldn't want it to be my team, <laughs> you yeah, know, because it, yeah. there are limitate there are limitations built in. But as a neutral, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, so they would take on the uh, Northwestern, who's a team that is the two seed, but I don't think, and you know, then you have Indiana down to the three. I, I tell you what, I look at this bracket, and I think to myself, you know, if you were to ever have like a totally bizarre 10 versus 11, like Penn State, Nebraska go in the semifinals, you wouldn't think it's totally impossible, right? I mean, this is the kind of... Not at all. This is the kind Not of thing you could totally see that happening. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I then you have Penn a Nebraska, State. maybe you have someone really threatening to make a someone who's totally out of the tournament getting stealing a bid for the first time in the big 10. I picked Penn state to go all the way through. Um, I think Nebraska's problem. If Nebraska had made it to the Thursday games, I'd give them that yeah. tiny Buster Buster Douglas in Tokyo or wherever it was <laughs> yeah, right. against Tyson chance. I would give puncher's chance. I think having to play five and five is a bridge too far. Yeah. I think that's where it would, that's what would stop them. But somebody could pull off a four and four. Well, and I, yeah, I, I would fact, last pick year. Penn State. Yeah. Right. It's happened. Not a lot, but it's happened. I, I picked Penn State uh, on that Wisconsin podcast I was on to get through this half of the bracket. With, as I put it, I said, you know, if, if you've been following the coverage of um, U.S. intelligence services assessment of the lab leak yeah. theory around uh, what happened in Wuhan. Uh-huh at the outset of COVID, the, the intelligence agencies assign high confidence, medium confidence, low confidence. And I said, my pick of Penn State and Purdue in a final is in the basement. That's how low the confidence <laughs> is. But but uh, it is what I pick. I, Northwestern is really interesting. I, you know, I watched that Northwestern Rutgers game and because um, that was the old, last one that had any implications for Michigan yeah. State. And I was really impressed by Northwestern. I know they had not been playing particularly well lately, but I'll tell you what I saw as a difference for them yesterday. There's a guy from Clarkston, Michigan named Matt Nicholson, who's their starting center. And Matt Nicholson is really coming on defensively. He was a problem in that Rutgers game. I mean, Omarui is a pretty good center, right? Yeah. He gave Michigan State some problems this year. Matt Nicholson just dominated him. 
in my opinion. And I don't mean he went out and scored 30 points or anything, but he owned the paint in that game. And that is giving, and he's been good all year, but he's getting better in my opinion. And defensively, especially. And you put that together with what their perimeter guys do defensively and, you know, just their, their whole strategic approach. Um, you know, they kind of swarm you. They, they pressure you without not full court trapping pressure, but they get into you. Yeah. They trap a lot, um, especially down. You put it all in the half court. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And you put all that together and, you know, they've still got problems at the offensive end. And we talk about all the time with them. If their guards aren't scoring, they're done. And, and those guards can get into rhythms where they are taking miserable shots. That can still happen, but man, that defense travels and it shows up. And if you, someone were to pick Northwestern to win this thing, I couldn't say that would be crazy. If, if you ranked teams one through 14, I don't think very many people are saying Northwestern is truly the second best team, even though they're, they're seated that way. Right. But they've got enough that, I mean, what happens if Bowie and Audige out of their minds? For three days northwestern probably wins it sure um and so then you know you obviously said you thought it was purdue and penn state uh well know, let's the, maybe talk about the other i was gonna say the other indiana the right so like yeah, the, the right, other thing yeah. is indiana so indiana's gonna play the winter maryland versus we suspect nebraska indiana's a team that boy you really want to like them like you really want to feel like they've got a ways to go and yet they just at times they seem sort of I don't know. It, they're not as quite as uh, disconnected or kind of random as they have been the last, as they were last year, maybe. No, but no. I still think that they are not quite, there's still something kind of missing and I'm not sure what it is. Well, I, I would say two things. One is a long-term thing we've been talking about since before the season started. Um, their guard play to me is a limiter. Now it's better than it was. And they finally, you know, decided that Xavier Johnson's not coming back, which I think is in everybody's best interest. Cause I think that could have really, that really had the potential to screw him up. Yeah. Um, Hood Chafino is a big time talent, you know, six, seven point guard, good handle, capable passer, capable shooter. He can do a lot of things. He's going to be the NBA next year. I'm reasonably certain. But the problem with Hood Chafino is for what it is, he's a freshman. And so if you look at the pattern he's had for much of the season, it's one game on, one game off, one game on, one game off. When you're in a tournament setting, you really can't afford that. Yeah, right. You need guys to be there every day. And I don't think we've been, at least as of yet, given any reason to think the Hood Chafino is capable of being on three days in a row. So that's one problem. Second problem with their guards is, I look at, you know, Trey Galloway, I like as a glue guy. He's high energy. He's been a good shooter this year. Decent passer. You know, he does a lot of things at least okay to good. And it's important to have guys like that. But I think it is, you think back to Michigan State's run to the Final Four in 2019. Um, Matt McQuaid was, what, their third or fourth how you felt about Aaron Henry offensive option in the offense. Right. Mm -hmm. But Matt McQuaid had big games. Yeah. Big games of the big 10 tournament, big games at the NCAA. 
you need that typically to make a run in a tournament setting. You need that third or fourth guy to pop up with the occasional 17 point game. I don't know if I believe Trey Galloway's got that in. Yeah. I just, uh, and then when you talk about Bates, if this tournament was being played at assembly hall, I'd say all bets are up, <laughs> but it's, not. it's yeah. not. And so do you have any faith in him on a neutral court? Not at all. Yeah. I don't know. So that's, that's a problem that's been there all along, which is our Indiana's guards good enough to get it done multiple times in short succession. And I think that's a very legitimate thing to doubt. But the other thing that's reared its head lately that I would be worried about if I were an Indiana fan is, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, they look tired to me. I thought, you know, they, and, and credit to them that a couple of times in the stretch, including yesterday, they were still able to get a win, but that was at home. Right. You know? um, other than lately, say over the past two weeks, other than the game at Purdue, they have looked like a tired team to me. And the Purdue game, you could understand why that would be an outlier because it's a rivalry game. They're getting jacked up for it. You know, you would think, okay, that's a day adrenaline might carry you over the line, and it did. But other than that, you know, Michigan State handled them easily at Breslin. They didn't look like close to the same team they looked like at Assembly Hall. Right. Um, Iowa went into Assembly Hall and blew the doors off them. And then Michigan, yeah, they got the win. But I felt during large portions of that game like they were just in a little bit of quicksand. And and credit to Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. They made a lot of plays late. But even Trace, I don't think his mold was quite where it was, say, a month ago. And it's understandable. It's a long season, and guys have had to shoulder a heavy load. Indiana doesn't have a super deep bench. And, and it's understandable, but that's what I, if that doesn't get changed, they're going to have a short postseason stay in either of these tournaments. They need to find, get energized, re-energized somehow, because I thought what made Indiana look the best they've looked all season was say three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when Trace Jackson Davis was like a whirling dervish out there. He was everywhere. He wasn't the only one. Like they were really playing with a lot of energy and when they can't do that or don't do that, I think they become a much more pedestrian team. Yeah, I think so. I think that's spot on. So, you know, looking at the, at the field, I think uh, it's probably safe to say anyone playing on Wednesday is not going to win the whole thing. You probably could. Yeah. Maybe you could say, I, I, just I guess I would it. give Nebraska a 0.5% chance and the rest zeros. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so well, if you just go to the know, top was, to the bottom, was, well, go, go ahead. Well, I was talking about this with Wisconsin podcaster. And I said, you know, if you're Wisconsin, I don't think you want to win it. <laughs> you don't want to have played five games in five days and, and then go to the NCAA tournament. Right. Well, so it's not even yeah. in your best interest. Right. The other three teams. Yes, because it's their only ticket. But if you're Wisconsin. I think you're fine with winning two and then losing to Michigan State. That's just about perfect because it's enough to get you in, but it's not enough to leave you drained and have nothing in the tank come uh, come the tournament, the real tournament. You know, so uh, yeah. Regardless, I don't think anybody from that group is winning it. I think Wisconsin and Nebraska. Yeah, you would give each of those teams a very low percentage chance of doing it. Um, Wisconsin, I would 
actually give a little more if they weren't in that five and five scenario. Right. Yeah. Because I don't think there's a lot of difference. Do I think on a neutral floor, Wisconsin could upset Purdue? Yes, I do. Um, which shows you there just isn't much difference. How many years do we say that about a 12 versus a one in this thing? Almost ever. Yeah. And then you look at, I mean, just kind of going through the, the team, I'd say the next least likely team to win, my guess would be Rutgers. Because uh, I, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I can't imagine I, winning four games the way they've been looking recently. No. And then no, I don't know. I, mean, I, I agree with you. And then I don't know. Maybe it's uh, that probably Maryland. I can't. I power time see Maryland win four games in a row as well. I yeah, know. I I think that um, you know there are teams in that Thursday group that I think have a chance. Uh, but I think that you know, like Iowa, for example. Yeah, they could get hot and. If, if yeah. Iowa gets red hot from three, yeah, could they shoot their way to four and four? Maybe. Yeah. You know, it, it's just there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be many possible results that would be totally shocking to me. Because th- this conference is just, it's day to day, or as we've seen, sometimes it's even a half to half. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. How many, you know, Illinois comes back from 24 down the second half and almost wins it in West Lafayette. Who had that? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just we saw what happened, obviously, with Iowa and Michigan State, you know, on and on. Penn State down big late and, and came back and won. You know, Th- these things just keep happening. So that makes it all very unpredictable in my mind. Yeah, I think overall you have to figure that Purdue, I mean, not surprisingly, is probably your best chance. But I don't know who I'd say the number two chance of winning the term, the whole thing. I mean, I don't know where Michigan State is in there, but I think they're top three of winning the whole thing. I don't know. They just have to get through Purdue. Here's the thing about Michigan state. Um, one of the things that can carry you in these tournaments, as we kind of alluded to with Penn state and with Iowa is if you get hot, if you're, if you're just nailing jumpers that can carry you in a short term environment, um, they have that capability fully. The thing that makes me feel a little bit better about it, as opposed to Iowa or Penn State, besides only having to win three as opposed to four, is we know Michigan State is also capable of playing very well defensively. Michigan State has flaws, as we know. They're not going to get much low post game. They probably won't be able to do a lot in transition, although that remains to be seen. Um, But they can shoot from deep. And they, although they haven't done this as well in recent games, we know they are capable of being a high level defensive team too. So if you can combine those things, if you are, if you are shooting well from deep and you are guarding well, yeah, you can beat anybody, not just in this tournament. I mean, anybody, literally anybody in the country. Um, but the question is, can you put those things together and can you do it consistently enough to get it, to get a championship? And that's obviously the question with Michigan State because we're a Michigan State podcast, but we're not going to fool ourselves. Michigan <laughs> State has had consistency problems the same way all these other teams we're talking about have had. Right. So it just comes down to do you believe that they've now hit a gear late that will carry them from here and they will be able to play at a different level now? I think it's possible, but how can anybody have supreme confidence there? I, I just don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, my family's looking forward. We're going to be there at the big 10 tournament 
Uh, we are definitely upset that Iowa lost that game to Nebraska. It helps Michigan State with a double bye, certainly. But it also makes it so that Michigan State runs into Iowa very early in the tournament. And so we can't have lots of, like last year was perfect. We had almost, they never had to play each other. And they won, we won every game. Our teams won every game except uh, when Michigan State uh, dropped to uh, Purdue. Purdue, yeah. So anyway, uh, this will not be the same, but uh, we can still, and I don't know. I was looking forward to booing Rutgers and now they're playing Michigan's so the first round. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I, can, I guess I can boo both teams. So, uh, but it's a lot of, it's a fun time. We'll look forward to it. And it's going to make the, I got to have any difficulty myself. <laughs> I'll be in, I'll be in scarlet and black for that one. I won't even think twice about it. I can still boo both you have teams. To, you have to have, well, yeah, you can have the old cliche about rooting for a meteor strike, <laughs> but um, I, you know, look, I get people still holding on to some resentment and i i was surprised but when i look at how it's gone for Rutgers, you understand it now steve michael knew this was coming he knew what kind of what kind of spot they were in and i think that's why and i still think of course he should have done the right thing but i understand it now as he's i'm sure his thought is hey my first loyalty is to the guys that i'm coaching and I got to do what I have to do to put them in the best spot to succeed. And, you know, if that was, in fact, his rationale, which I suspect it was, time has proven out that he was right about yeah. that. It, it still didn't work, but he was right. It could have been even, could have been worse. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the universe seemed to kind of had other thoughts for Rutgers as well. So maybe it won't yeah. work out for Rutgers <laughs> anyway. Uh, so. Uh, we'll get back to you. We're going to have a game or show, sorry, right before Michigan State, once we know the opponent for Michigan State. So that'll come out on Thursday night at some point. I got to get back from the game. So, you know, whenever it'll come out, so you'll have plenty of time to listen to it. Make sure you download it. Make If you're not yet subscribed, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you've not yet left a written review, please leave a written review. If you also want to get $5 gift card for Nudge Printing, those are available. So you just take a screenshot, email the screenshot to me of your written review at eric at tffinots.com. Then I can get you the, the gift card. You can get $5 off in addition to your 20% off by typing Final Four into the coupon code. If you have water problems and need some gutter work or just want someone to check, check it out to make sure things are okay and you're the west side of the state, make sure you contact Kurt and his team at the Brothers of Just Two Gutters. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs>